Welcome to Tech Talks, the technology podcast with David Savage and Jack Pierce, publishing on Mondays and Thursdays. This is a show packed full of interviews and debate with technology leaders for the love of tech. So, on today's show, it isn't just Jack and me, we're joined by Josie. Back again. Back again. Normally, normally on the show when myself or Jack are absent. But, you know what, I'll be perfectly honest, I just felt that me and Jack were talking about International Women's Day. In December when you were away, the podcast was much better. So, Josie and I did a really good job when you weren't here. Everyone loved it a lot more. People were just saying like, who's Dave? Listeners, Dave's face right now is he's crying. I'm just wondering if you could send me that anecdotal feedback. Ah, you know I don't deal in facts. <laughs> I'm sure we can get some statistics together yeah, about yeah. how numbers went up when was, Dave went on holiday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And continue to go up when he came back. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so Joe, thanks for uh, giving up some time. No problem. Uh, what is planned for tomorrow? Um, are you guys doing anything in particular? I was hoping to do a video of you for it, Dave. You were hoping to do a video with me? Yeah, well, I missed the last inclusion day. I was on holiday. Mm. And you got a really nice photo of you standing in front of some graffiti. And I was like, oh, if I was here, I'd definitely be in front of graffiti as well. So I feel as though me and you need to do a video tomorrow about... Well, I was hoping that we'd do a, a quick thank you, because on a serious note, um, we're in a very lucky position that over the course of about 180 episodes, we've been able to feature 91 awesome people who just happen to be women working in technology. Yeah, I mean, I've said it for years now, I don't see gender or race, so that's a joke. <laughs> no, but you're right, we have the best uh, and brightest minds on the show, and it just so happens that nearly exactly half of them are women. Yeah, and yeah. Joe, so you, you are one of those 91, I, I included you in that list. Oh, good, so there would have been 90, but you thought you'd round it up. Keep no. Going. Just over 50%, <laughs> yeah, just to make us more balanced towards exactly, women, if anything. Exactly. Which, funny you should say this, actually, because uh, I don't know if you've heard of Textio before. Textio is a... Uh, piece of software that helps you write job adverts mm. and it tells you if you write in a feminine or a masculine tone now i i recommend Textio to anyone now i actually write in a very feminine tone apparently do you yeah yeah apparently there's certain i mean i've got a slight issue with it and i'm sure i've said this before mm. like who are they to tell me that welcoming is a word that registers well with women rather than men like and vice versa like it's quite generalization what would the masculine word be um Hello. It's, like, it, it's, no, but it is like that. It's like, so like intellectual men are meant to resonate with that more than women, which is just total bollocks. That's bullshit. Yeah, exactly. So what is, it's, it's kind of seeped in generalisations, but it was quite funny to find out that I write in a very effeminate time, yeah. which I'm very proud of. And look, some people might think that we're going to go overboard, like talking about International Women's Day on the podcast, but the only reason that it's still important to do so is that there are anywhere between 13 and 15% uh, of women in the tech industry in the UK, which is frankly shocking. So until there is a proper gender balance across the industry, then we're going to have to continue having days like this. Yep. It's kind of both celebration of the wonderful people working in tech who happen to be women, and also commiseration that we still have to have one of these days. I think it was it was either Rio Edwards-Brown or, or, or June Angelides that said on one of the Unbound panels, like, yeah, it'll be a great day when we're not seen as the women's panel. We're just seen as a panel. Do you get that? When you go to events, do you look at it and go, do you register if it's still male or female or a split? Or I think you don't, unless you're the minority. Like if you're sitting in a room and you look around you, yeah. you're surrounded by men and vice versa, if you're a man surrounded by women, 
you will always register who is around you. I, I, I as a I bloke, will. will go to an event and if it's just men, feel like, oh shit, this is yeah. quite uncomfortable. Like, why, what's what's gone wrong? Why are there only men here? Yeah, well, we have our You Equal Tech events. Yep. And you go to those and it is majority women, which yeah. is ironic because they're not for women. They're yeah. just to talk about inclusion in tech but mainly women go. So that kind of highlights to you, well, who's having issues here? Yep. Who wants to talk about it? Because who's suffering from it? Yeah. Clearly women. Dave, you've said it a thousand times before. You, we need to include men in the conversation because unfortunately, 85% of the roles are still owned by men, right? So, you know, it is very much an equal conversation that needs to be had, but more needs to be done with women. Are we going to get to the interview or? I think we should. <laughs> uh, Someone who's going to express it a lot better than Dave and I can anyway, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and ironically, on International Women's Day, Jack just forgot me. No, you are. No, no, no. Dave and I can't do it because we're thick. That was actually a compliment <laughs> to you so that you could eloquently probably surmise it a lot better than yeah. we can. So today we're joined by Ayumi. She's the founder of Women in Tech, a Parisian based not for profit. How are you this morning? I'm great, thank you. I'm in Portugal now. Are you in Lisbon? Yes, I am. I'm insanely jealous. Lisbon has to be up there with one of my favourite cities, along, I think, with probably Bordeaux. <laughs> yes, I, I love this city. I really do. How come you're out there and uh, how long are you out there for? Um, I'm here for the week and we're coming here because we're doing, um, well, tonight on the 7th, we have an hour of code that we're starting um, in Lisbon. So we're teaching about 30 women and, and some men how to build an app in one hour. Um, tomorrow on Women's Day, we are doing our um, Portugal launch chap chapter launch. So we're opening Women in Tech officially here in Portugal. And on the 9th, I'm doing um, my first TEDx talk. So I'm, I'm quite excited. <laughs> It'd be interesting to find out uh, why you started Women in Tech and what the inspiration was. Yes, yes. Well, in fact, we have um, we have thousands of members in over sixty countries. So um, it started in Europe, but we have um, members in all over the world, um, from Japan, um, United States, in Africa, um, Americas, in Pakistan, in Iran. Really, really all over the world. It's really exciting and. And we're really growing. Every day we have new members from, from other countries. So it's really, really exciting. And we've been, I founded it over a year ago. Um, it was, in fact, I, I had my fourth baby. <laughs> I have, I'm a mother of four children. And I had my fourth baby. It was in the end of, in, in 2017. So I was breastfeeding. I remember and I came to Web Summit. And I was really excited to come to my first Web Summit. Um, and there were so many things about women. Um, women in tech, and I, and I found out the statistics and how how terrible they were. Um, it's been ten years that I've been working in this in this domain, and I wasn't really aware of what how what the what the numbers were and how many few women were represented in in this field of in of of work. And the thing that really astonished me is that for over five, five years, apparently, Every year, the numbers were get, were get, the gender gap was getting bigger and bigger. So I said, "No, come on, this can't happen." Um, so I wanted to to join um, a network or something that we was doing really concrete action, taking concrete actions to to work on this gender gap. And I I couldn't recognize myself in any of them because there were lots of things, mostly for networking itself. So really to to try and you know find women with the same interests, but they were 
maybe, you know, seeing each other in the evenings and things like that. But I think there was nothing really going on that was worldwide and was really going into where the problem came from. So from education, from entrepreneurship and all these different things. So I decided to create um, this this movement that's Women in Tech. So it's more and more, it's not a network, it's a more like a movement um, where we're trying to build an ecosystem with different organizations that have the same vision and the same mission as us and do concrete things to take actions like I do tank. Here in the UK, the number that often gets banded about for percentage representation of women in technologies is anywhere between kind of 13 and 15 percent. Is that better or worse than some of the other countries that you see your members coming from? Well, it's better than some countries. Some are even more catastrophic, <laughs> um, but it's, it's definitely worse than others. Um, interestingly, um, countries like Bulgaria or in Eastern Europe, they have higher rates of women in tech um, than in France or then England or, or even Portugal. Um, countries mostly like in Africa and India, they also have better results. They have less gender gap, essentially, than first world countries like the US or, or UK. What, what do you put that down to? Because, I, I mean, I, I don't know about the case of Bulgaria, but certainly with regards to first world countries, you would imagine that they would they would have higher higher representation of women within technology, but clearly that's not the case. Yeah, it's really incredible. No, it isn't. I think um, I spoke to lots of, of Indian women, and I have a project manager that's also from India. And I think that, that one of the ways that they can, um, they can get out of, you know, do some social inclusion as well in countries like this, um, it's via tech. Um, so I think for, for women, even in Iran, we have, um, we have um, a woman that's an ambassador in Iran, and she says that they can't, um, because they can't really go out and there's so many things that they can't do, um, education is something that they can really um, strive for. So, um, and the technical field is something that, amazingly, that's put forward for women in these countries, also in Africa. It's not very positive to suggest that limiting freedoms is a is a pathway into technology, is it? But uh, it's interesting. It's interesting you make that point. It's not very positive, but they. I, I know that they. Well, they have. They have. Maybe because they have to prove themselves. I don't know more. I, I'm. I'm not sure why. There's so many studies that are going on because we're trying to really trying to explain this this phenomena. So. Um, um, we also work with researchers and with a, with a student who's doing um, her PhD at the moment, and she she she's following our um, our organization, and she's trying to to give real answers, you know, of why this this is happening, and um, why the gender gap is getting bigger, um, and why some countries that are maybe third world countries, why this is not the case. So we have lots of ideas of why this could be, but we don't have well, I don't have any concrete answers, you know, to, to why exactly, where does it come from? Basically, mostly come of education from the early stages, you know, from, from school, high school. Um, but she's trying to, to see what are the similarities between Africa, between, between India, um, between the you know, Middle East countries, where the, um, where the rates are much better than, than Europe. We've grown this fantastic international network of, of, of women. Um, I'd really be interested to know what tangible stories, what outcomes uh, you've, you've found during the course of that, that network building exercise that validate that this is, this, is, this is working and worthwhile spending time doing. Well, what I see, there's really lots of people, mostly women, but some men also, that are really excited about this and are trying to, to take action. So, um, so we're putting together you know, teams that are going to work more in education, 
others in, in entrepreneurships, and there's so many volunteers that really want to, to take action and to do things. It's really exciting. Um, also, a company that are offering us to, to help to teach women how to code, um, to do workshops. They're offering us lots and lots of things to try and really help young women um, learn more about tech. So things are really taking action now. So that's very exciting. You can see things are changing. As an outsider looking at the UK, based on your network, what, what do you think we're not doing that you find that your members in other countries are doing that can improve access to STEM roles for women here uh, in London and across the UK? Um, well, I think that when, um, when I came to the UK chapter launched was about a month ago, what was really interesting to, um, that I learned there was talk with, um, with young people like with Joanna Batista, um, you, you met her as well. It was really her feedback, you know, because she's a 17-year-old uh, girl that is doing you no know, finishing high school, going to studies, and all her, her insights about how girls, you know, they don't have the the motive, they don't have the support that they should have in in those high school years to to go into. And also the difference between all girls' school and all boys' school, because in all girls' school that she came from, um, you see that they're less, there are more girls anyway going into STEM field careers and studies because they do, they're not confronted to, to, okay, this is a boy's thing or this is a girl's thing. They just think, okay, is this what I want to do or is this not what I want to do? Um, so I think this motivation and trying to find role models and trying to inspire more girls um, and give them what the benefits of what a tech um, work can do in this is very, very important. Uh, last thing to touch on, uh, you're running a Women in Tech Challenge Award, which is being presented at the Viva Tech uh, conference in Paris. And we're very lucky and privileged to have been asked by you to, to be part of that process. Uh, what are you looking for in applicants? Yes. In fact, we, we realize that there are projects um, that are initiatives all over the world already and that are working, well, some of them are working, some of them aren't. So what we're trying to find out, we're going to try and identify all these different projects or initiatives that are already, you know, um, taking action, are already success stories. We're trying to identify them, so in the, with a call for projects um, in five different categories, so education, entrepreneurship, science and research, social inclusion and investment, and trying to find the best projects that can be scaled up and implemented and replicated elsewhere in the world. So for instance, I think of, a, um, of an initiative called Digital Girls in, in Pakistan. So they get girls, they are 14 and 23 years old. They give them access to a computer. They teach them how to do microblogging, how to do social media. And after a two-month um, and call it study uh, workshop. They get out of there and they have a diploma, and they also um, have a job because they they do this with um, in partnership with a with a company that needs um, people to help them do working blogs. So they can work from their home if they want to. They can go to the office if they want to, um, and they can help uh, at home with with a salary. Um, for me, I also think it's very important because in countries like this, being having access to the to social media and having access to a blog, um, it's also a way to to speak, to shout out, and it's you know, it's a it's a voice that can be heard. It's, it's something for pro democracy. 
So I think it's really exciting this. But this is the kind of projects that we think, okay, this is something really have shown um, it's a success story and it can be replicated elsewhere. We have similar stories in Africa, even where they don't have access to to, to Wi-Fi at school. But this um, the headmistress, she she did computer science when she was younger. So what she does is she teaches boys and girls how to code on the blackboard. So at least they know they they know because it's really about algorithmics and, and everything in, in coding. So she teaches um, children how to code just on the blackboard without having access to computers. I think that's really incredible. We'll share a link in the show notes, uh, a URL that is, if anyone wants to get in touch and apply for the awards. But just very quickly, what is the website? No, it's womanintech.challenge.com or .org. Okay, cool. Great. Uh, look, I am insanely jealous that you are over in Lisbon. I think if I was there, I'd probably be stuffing my face with a pastel de nada. Uh, but I hope that everything goes well, that your TEDx talk goes well. Um, and thank you for taking out some time this morning to, to chat with us on the show and explain what you're doing. Thanks so much, David. Thank you. Where do we want to start? Probably um, want to start with education, right? Yeah. Is that something that we can all relate to? And I know that you, Josie, immediately were like, don't know whether that resonates with me. Yeah, I mean, there was obviously the point made about how the difference between girls' schools and boys' schools. And I was waiting for them to say, well, if you go to a girls' school, you're always pushed more towards humanities. If you go to a boys' school, you're always pushed more towards science. But they made the opposite point, that if you go to an all-single-sex school, you'll be pushed in both directions. And going through that system myself, I did not find that. The science at the girls' school that I went to was appalling. The opportunities weren't there at all. Did your mum and dad put any pressure on you to do certain subjects? I mean, my brother does a science degree. My sister's currently doing a science PhD, and I did a history degree. Josie's so sister no might be at all the, the smartest person alive, right? Yeah. Alex is incredible. <laughs> the reason why I ask that is that there are statistics to show that parents put pressure on young women to do humanities and arts over sciences. And then also, uh, not quite a number, a scary number of teachers have, have, have admitted to unconscious bias as yeah. well when advising kids age 16 what they should be taking through into A-level. So it's like, even if you have got uh, a girl who would be kind of maybe leaning towards sciences, it seems that both families and teachers dissuade them, which I mean, is tragic. Let's not forget as well that STEM's all good and well, but over the last year to two years, we've noticed that it needs to be STEAM and that needs to incorporate arts. Now, I'm not saying just because you've got a degree in creative writing, such as myself, you're gonna make a good techie, that doesn't work, but you need to have flashes of the arts in with your STEM in order to, especially from a UX UI design yeah, point I, of view. I think that comes later. I think STEAM needs to be something that we embrace post-education, almost like saying, I see. Christ, we haven't got enough women in the sector, therefore let's welcome those who, from whatever reason, dropped out of the, the that particular path earlier on. Mm. However, in school, I think it would be a mistake to say, hey, arts is part of it, because it's ignoring the problem that not enough girls are encouraged to take science and maths on age 16 to 18. I disagree. I think it's as important. I think if you focus, a lot of my friends that focused on STEM subjects at school lack creativity. They lack an eye for design or an eye for the arts or anything like that. So whilst art isn't as important to coding and programming as um, STEM, I still think it is like the next notch down. 
and I still think it needs to be in the conversation at school. I don't think anyone just doing STEM subjects shouldn't do any art subjects. No, no, I get, I get yeah. that, but... Well, we had, uh, I remember for some reason this, I think it must have scarred me at school, but I remember talking about universities and we had like loads of universities come in and tell us like, these are the ideal subjects if you want to be a doctor. These are the ideal subjects if I you want to take science. I hope one of them was, science. was biology. Well, yes, it was. But they always <laughs> said, they agreed with Jack. They always said, we want to see two sciences, a maths and a humanity or a language. We don't want you to come to us and say, oh, yeah. I've done science and maths. You have to be fully rounded. So they were saying that they would like to see some sort of flexibility there. Basically. No, I get, I, I understand that. I do. I just think that. Private rope, will you, Joe? Saying, <laughs> saying steam when you're yeah, age yeah. sixteen, is making an excuse or making it easier for people to just go, oh hey, everyone can get yeah, into no, tech. Yeah, yeah, when yeah, actually, yeah, 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 yeah. there are yeah. girls who could excel at those subjects who don't have the same like. All of those stats around a woman won't apply for a job unless she hits 80% of the criteria yeah. and men will apply when they only hit what something like 50 or 60% yeah, 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 yeah. and so you get these girls who outperform boys up to the age of 16 yep. in science and maths and then don't carry it through to a level yep. because they're not giving the encouragement totally that yeah i can accept well, I that it also comes from like your surroundings so like i remember being in a situation where none of my friends took science and I went, oh, well, if they're not taking science, I don't want to sit in a classroom full of boys. Very good point. So I'm going to take humanities because I'm still good yep. at that and my friends are in that class. So it's almost like a bit of a vicious circle because you've got to get more than one girl a yeah. year into tech for them to all, for us to all move into it. I think at that age anyway, when 16, you know, your friends are more important than your education in some circumstances. And I think that point that Joseph mentioned there would be eradicated if there was more inspirational role models for young girls out there, right? Or at least inspirational role models that we know and see being pushed into young girls' faces. Because then, I totally agree with Joseph's point, I wouldn't have done RE at school because it was a girl's subject in inverted commas. But if I would have seen, I don't know, The Young Pope with Jude Law, which is a very good series, I might have watched wanted to get into RE a young age. Do you see what I'm saying though? I know that's a very tenuous <laughs> analogy, but... Um, what's the new lady, sorry, is it Rachel Riley on Countdown? Yeah. It is. Right? She went to my school, my girls' school. She obviously did a maths degree at Cambridge yep. and then went on to do Countdown. Since being on Countdown, she's come back to our school and done talks and like they promote her everywhere in our school. And I don't know if the maths percentage has gone up. I'm not going to sit here and say it has. For the sake of the show, just yeah, it lie, has, it, it has. has. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's a good example. They're trying to get these role models of women doing maths, doing sort of science subjects in front of these girls. And I hope it works. What's a shame is that there are plenty of role models out yeah, there. Yeah, and, yeah. and for whatever reason, they're not visible to kids going through education. Yeah. And maybe that's because, you know, someone someone like Lena Chan yes. from Ida Health isn't a household name nope. and probably won't ever be a household name, but is doing inspirational work and trying to get trying to get those stories through to kids is 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 really important. I suppose to to a degree, it's like when we were talking to Satchel and show my homework a few weeks ago. Yep. Yep. And and I know it's not it's not gender relevant, but. It's parent relevant. In terms of uh, Namesh's background, you know, trying to say, look, just because you don't have the best grades at 16, this person's gone on to become a CEO. They're Mm. they're the kind of role models that you'd want people to know about when they're going through education, not to give up or or to keep pushing at what they're really passionate about. 
rather than needing a, a, a Rachel Riley. There is that. There's the antonym of that as well, though. When you get like results day and you get those divvy celebrities like uh, Danny Dyer going, well, not Danny Dyer, I love Danny Dyer, but someone, an idiot going, oh, I never went to uni, I got a shit juice disease, look at where I am now. That is unrealistic. You shouldn't be saying that. So what, uh, one of the best um, awards evenings I ever went to at school, we had a local member of the, of the council come and give the talk and he wow. was like, I'm head of the council. Uh, and isn't it wonderful that all these kids have done really, really well and they've gotten all these awards? But lads and lasses, devil worry if you get chick grades at school because I nicked a few things when I was at school and I turned wow. out all right. <laughs> like, yeah, you, you can you shoplift go. and still do well. Yeah, yeah. Our I head mean, teacher nearly fell off the stage backwards. Like, I can imagine. I mean, yeah, that, that's just life in Newcastle, though, as well. <laughs> it's generational, though, isn't it? Like, that might have been okay 30 years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. Well, stealing. No, but it was... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love stealing. But it was, um, it was less frowned no, on, you're right. it was. Like, not, not the stealing part. I mean, the fact that, like, oh, my parents have done really well for themselves. My whole family has. And they didn't get great GCSEs and great exam results. But that was 30 years ago. Yeah. When, like, <laughs> yeah. there was more accessible jobs. Like, but, now... Yeah. I wasn't at school 30 have, years ago, just to say. Oh, well, you know. You know, the GCSEs. <laughs> no, no he you were. He was. No, probably 40 years ago. Well, there you go. Yeah. You were at school. You were at infancy school 30 years ago. Oh, shut Oh, 30 years ago. How old's Jack? 26. Oh, maybe not then. And, but oh, just yeah, on, just I on. Alive <laughs> just on. My mum and dad even met each other. Anyway, just on the Clark. Like, here's another perfectly tenuous. Oh, link. Sorry, that's really depressed me. I was. There you go. There you go. Tenuous link. We're talking about classrooms. In Africa, this head headmistress is teaching her kids to code on a fucking blackboard. What's our excuse, Dave, for not coding all the time? She's teaching kids on a blackboard, I man. Am, I am shit at maths. Right. <laughs> just saying, I am not wired that way. No, no, you're not. Neither am I. But like, that's an inspirational story that should be ploughed throughout the country. Well, that should be shown to people in this country when yep. they go, "Oh, yep. we need budgets for computers." Yeah. I'm not saying you don't. You probably do. Like, yeah. That's fair enough. But that's no excuse for not getting kids excited about tech. Mm -hmm. If someone in Africa can get kids excited about tech with a blackboard. Yep. 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 Very true. Maybe we're spoiled. But we are spoiled. I mean, what is what is interesting on that as a Western culture, how we're not doing as well as, I don't know, what was it, Pakistan? Uh, you know, where women are under Shara law and, you know, they can't do anything. Yeah, I mean, citizens. like, great to hear that some of those countries, you've got better participation of, of women in tech. At what cost? But yeah, at what cost? It's like, oh, oh great, okay, because they have no other opportunities yeah. available to yeah. them. Like, that yeah. is not cool. It, yeah. It's almost like, yeah, I'm great at education. And it's like, if I was at university and I couldn't go out, I couldn't drink, I couldn't socialise, then yeah, I probably would have got very much a better degree. Right. You know? <laughs> yep. But yep. at what expense, exactly? Yeah, what's the point? It's point of going to university to study. <laughs> I still think whatever, just... the, whatever, the, whatever the circumstances, the fact that we are not leading the way yes. is disgraceful. Yeah. And we are one of the one of what? Three or four Western countries with a female in power? Yeah. Like there's your inspiration for powerful we've had two. women. Yeah, we've had two. Both as I bad mean, as the last. Ironically, but... Theresa May did a geography degree, so she did humanities. You did a geography degree, didn't you? I did a history yeah. degree. Oh, history anyway, I didn't colour in for a degree, okay? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, did that, I'm assuming that had a degree? Yeah, yeah. a degree in misery. <laughs> Oh God! A degree, I know a degree <laughs> in a degree road. in uh, the class system, and how to eradicate one. You know, her Dad, uh, I'm go. not. I'm not going to support Thatcherite Dave not. over I'm here. Definitely from not. Newcastle. <laughs> but she did come from a very working class background in Grantham. So I'm just saying. She hated, anyway, hated milk though. Hated milk. Hated milk. 
Fair she enough. took away the milk. Did you not hear? Oh, yeah. The milk yeah. money. She took oh. away the milk. I thought oh, yeah. you just meant she was lactose or something. It was just a joke that went horribly wrong. Anyway. <laughs> oh, I'm well used to that. We, point is, we've had two female leaders in this country post-Brexit. Digital is supposed to be something that's the cornerstone of our economy. And we're not leading the way when it comes to... Uh, Far from it. ...inclusion. And that's a fucking disgrace. Yep. And on that note, let's go to our advert break. Farewell, but not goodbye. Do you know what that is? No. Bobby Robson's autobiography. All the better read by Bobby Robson. No way. Yeah. What a legend of the game he was. Exactly. It's a great book to read, but listening to Bobby Robson, talking you through his life, that's special. Exactly. My choice is uh, The Sisters Brothers which is a film starring Jake Gyllenhaal and John C. Reilly that has been released worldwide apart from in the UK. So, I'm going to listen to the audiobook. If anyone's wondering why we've suddenly started talking about books, it's because if you head over to audible.co.uk forward slash tech talks, you can get a free month's trial there, courtesy of your favourite technology podcast. Get listening. Jack, I'm going to go first, because I don't know whether or not yours is relevant to today, is it? Definitely is not. There we go, so I'll go first. <laughs> uh, I've got a story from Wired. Oh, look who's taking a leaf out of my book and not just looking at TNW or TechCrunch. Mate, I even subscribed to get some premium content here. Kid hell. I know. So, are men at Google paid less than women? Not really. That's the headline. So basically, at the end of every year, Google conducts a pay equity analysis to determine whether employees of different sexes and races who are doing similar jobs are being paid equally, right? Monday this week, Google published a blog post with selected findings. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, what? Selected? Selected findings for its 2018 analysis highlighting that proposed changes for 2019 would have paid male engineers less than female engineers in one lower level job category. Oh, great. That's a selection of a selection a, yeah, yeah, yeah. at a lower level, uh, referred to internally as level four engineers. Gets worse, right? Skip down the article a little way. At Google, employees are paid in salary, equity, and bonuses. Compensation is determined by employees' position, performance, and location. But managers also have access to a pool of discretionary funds, which they can allocate to individual employees. To me. A discretionary slush fund to give out to people that you think are deserving just kind of undermines the whole idea of transparency, right? Right, you can have women on a higher basic salary, but the men are getting ridiculous bonuses. I mean, this is just a very much, this is a vanity project, right? The fact that they've selected results rather than showing us all of them. They just want a headline, basically. Right? They want a yeah. headline of, oh, men paid less than women at Google. Look how, yeah. you know, diverse we are. Like, that's like that's me. I'm sure if I selectively did stats in the UK, then, you know, we could have 100% women in tech. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, it's not true. Yeah. It, says, it says here, a, deep, a deeper company analysis found the discrepancy stemmed from managers planning to allocate more discretionary funds to women than men. But then, if that's caused the discrepancy that women are getting paid more at level four because they're allocating from the slush fund, it's because the basic salaries aren't aligned. So either way that you look at this, it's just a crap system. Like, be transparent and pay people what they're due and pay people the same regardless of gender and race. Don't have them at different levels and then have to have slush funds and whatever else to try and prop it up or... And, what's, and your, uh, what's your point on... What was it still planning to what? Say that again. Google no, no. Is, yeah. So, so the, the, they found that discrepancy stemmed... This, the, sorry. The discrepancy stemmed from managers planning to allocate more discretionary funds to women than men right. in 2019. Probably because there's not 
pay equity in the first place. I'm planning to pay for Arsenal in 2019. It doesn't mean it's going to fucking happen. Yeah, and also, the fact <laughs> they've said planning. Yeah, so it yeah, hasn't happened. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're planning to pay people more. I plan on scaling the Everest. The Everest? Mount Everest <laughs> this year. It ain't going to happen. Yep. But I can say that and put in an article, article and give it a headline, Jack Pierce plans to do Everest. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to give you. Do, do I'm Everest. doing it. No, but I'm going to give you a selection of photos of me up Everest. Spoiler alert! I'll They're use Photoshop. Photoshop. And by the way, this is all arriving at a time when Google faces an investigation by the U.S. Department for la- of Labor, rather, and a lawsuit by current and former female employees, both yeah. of which allege that Google discriminates systemically yeah. against women in paying promotion. Good. So it's like all very well releasing information like this right now when the spotlight's on you. But I just think International Women's Day tomorrow. We've been talking a lot about responsible leadership in tech. If the biggest companies in the world can't lead by example, how can we expect anyone else to? Totally. Yeah, but it's not even leading by example. They're ironically making it worse by putting out like fake news. Well, I'm saying they're not leading by example yeah. quite yeah. clearly, yeah. are they? And, yeah. It's, and yeah, they, they are putting out very subjective, somewhat inflammatory information into a market that looks like it's backfiring anyway. Yeah. It's fake news. Well, you just got to read the article. Yeah. Your fake news. <laughs> anyway, so I thought I thought we should talk about that briefly and uh, right and criticise Google for doing a shit job, and they should book their act up. No, yeah, no, no, you're right. They should. I don't think that Google are going to give us any freebies, but there we go. <laughs> I don't want them. I don't want them. We don't want it anyway. My Google Play account's closed down forever now. <laughs> um, anyway, my turn. Yeah, go on. You know how last week we did a product for the first time and how basically we were sent one. Ah. I haven't been sent one, but the resounding fanfare around us returning to a product stuck with me, Dave. What fanfare? Huh? Exactly. Carry on. So, I have found some. It's a really fucking cool product. Okay. For men and women. Uh, these AR cycling glasses will help you get a grip. Visual joke. So they look kind of, it's normal sunglasses that you yeah. wear when you're cycling. They look a bit like Oakleys, right? Definitely. Yeah, Dog bit. the Bounty Hunter style Oakleys yeah. uh, for anyone who needs a visual cue. Now, it's not a very big article. Let me just read it out to you, Dave. It's by uh, Addy Pick uh, in Calcalist. The, the glasses provide riders with real-time data such as heart rate, speed, distance, built-in GPS, and come equipped with Bluetooth speakers like the Voxos sunglasses. Uh, uh, made, right, made by Haifa, Israel-based eyesight, they develop augmented reality sunglasses for uh, smart glasses for cyclists. The glasses provide you with real-time data, blah, 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 blah. Their Bluetooth speakers, a built-in HD camera with a voice and data overlay enable riders to capture, save and share their cycling adventures. All captured information such as heart rate, route and speed are uploaded to the company's accompanying app, win-win, and can be shared through social media. Now, this is going to get rid of, you know all those weirdos that walk around with GoPros on their helmets? Yeah. It's kind of like that, but it's augmented. So if I can just show you what you'd see there, it's almost transparent text, heartbeat, time, distance, really quite nifty. Now, yeah, Dave, not not too distracting, to be fair. Not yeah, that. I would think Bluetooth speakers when you're cycling on the road. Yeah, worry me. I mean, vo- the great thing about Voxos was it wasn't headphones; it was using bone conduction. Which is, I don't know if this is goes as crazy scientific as Voxos but there's no headphone jack I think it is similar to Voxos in that it plays out of the arms down into your ear so you can still hear the surround sound which makes it therefore not dangerous less dangerous less dangerous it's still a distraction yeah, isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but I just think as someone we know who isn't cyclist but who is running up loads of mountains potentially 
going to kill himself in the process. Maybe our friend David Savage, when he does the scaling of the French Alps, should take this women's open monitor his heartbeat. Yeah, but and I think it's that's distance. a bad idea because if you monitor your heart rate while you're doing a marathon uphill, you'll probably think you're dying half the time. I well, think I'm dying half the time idea. anyway. I think, yeah. yeah. It will just confirm it to you. I just think I'd love to see you using this for your trip. And you can take little videos. You wouldn't have to stop and get your phone out. You could just click, picture, done. And look, it can. I can have the app on my phone just to make sure you're doing okay. Jack, I'm almost touched. Yeah. You're thinking of me. I am thinking of you. As he'll be laughing at you from a pub. While <laughs> he watches you on the app. Yeah, yeah what I yeah, don't want yeah, is yeah. this to have some kind of two-way thing where, yeah. where his face pops up with, oh, with a going, Dave. That would be great. Like a little Star Wars hologram just pops up in your hand and going, move, you fucking slow bastard. <laughs> <laughs> climb, climb. Right, before we go, one last call to action. Tomorrow, we would like you to do something. If you're still listening, this is going to be a test of anyone still listening to the show by this point, right? Yeah. Um, we would like you to take a 360 selfie, by which we mean literally a video of yourself spinning around on the spot, saying who you are, telling us which woman inspires you, and it could be anyone, it could be your mother, it could be your grandmother, it could be your daughter, it could be someone you work with, it could be someone in the public sphere, but a woman who inspires you, and then nominate two people on that video to tell the rest of the world who inspires them. Nice. Calling it a little 360 selfie, we're gonna stick them up on Twitter, but, why not get involved and give a shout out to all the inspirational women out there as part of International Women's Day? This, like, don't spin around so fast that you make yourself sick. This isn't a Momo challenge. No. Yeah? Be safe when you rotate. Nice safety message there. Yeah. <laughs> Josie, thank you for giving us some balance. That's all right. We'll be fairly... International Women's Day female company on the show. Yeah, it was. Uh, it's good that you came because Dave had the idea that I'd adopt a female voice and pretend to be a woman for this. So yeah, oh, well, well you too, are feminine. Yeah, 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 you have a feminine approach. Yeah, so. no, feminine words and vocabulary, but not my dulcet tones. Oh, I think it's a welcoming tone, Jack. Yeah. All right then. <laughs> <laughs>